The New York Yankees have officially traded for Juan Soto, and apparently they still want Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Should the New York Mets overpay to stop that from happening? We'll discuss that more on today's edition of Locked On Mets. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today, I'm going to be breaking down, of course, the Juan Soto trade, the first segment, and also looking ahead to future free agent classes and when the next time the Mets could actually land another Star-level talent that could be out there. Um, then in the next segment, we're going to look at the star-level talent that is out there for the Mets this offseason, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, and how much Steve Cohen could push that bid to the point where it's an offer he can't refuse. Also break down the posting fee um, and how much that would cost the Mets on top of it. Then in the final segment, if all else fails, should the Mets just resign or not resign, extend Pete Alonso? We'll get to all of it. Before we do, I'm your host, Ryan Ficklestein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on X, Ficklestein Ryan. I'll also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Well, the New York Yankees have done it. They have acquired Juan Soto in a seven-player trade. The Yankees get Juan Soto and Trent Grisham. And the Padres get Michael King, Drew Thorpe, Johnny Brito, Randy Vasquez, and Kyle Higashioka. This is a trade that the Mets could not have completed. Okay, as much as I was you know, really excited about the opportunity this offseason to see the Mets maybe go after Juan Soto, as everything has evolved, it makes sense why they never even got into these conversations because Juan Soto is going to become a free agent. Scott Boris has made that abundantly clear. Everyone knew this was a rental. Now, the team that acquired the rental obviously has the best chance to sign Soto when he becomes a free agent, and the Yankees having a surplus of pitching and a desire to win this season. They were the ideal trade partner for a Padres team that is going to lose Blake Snell. They're going to lose Seth Lugo. They're going to lose Michael Walker, and they already lost uh, Nick Martinez. So they needed to add pitching. And in this trade, they get Michael King, who's I think really the, the prize for the Padres in this deal. You know, he has been great for the Yankees over the last couple of years, has showed that he can be excellent coming out of the bullpen. But last year, you know, he also was good in some spot starts as well. 275 ERA and a little over 100 innings pitch. I think the Padres probably try to slide him in the rotation with Hugh Darvish and Joe Musgrove. And then they also add even more pitching depth. Drew Thorpe is probably the second best player they get back in this trade. We had him ranked at number 78 at JustBaseball.com in our top 100. He pitched to a 252 ERA between high A and double A last year. So that's some pitching depth for them as far as a guy that you know has some high-end talent. You might not see him next year, but a top pitching prospect, which obviously the Padres really wanted to get some type of a top prospect in this. Thorpe is their guy there. They also get Johnny Brito with a 4-2-8 ERA and 90 and a third innings pitch with the Yankees last year. And Randy Vasquez, who had a 2-8-7 ERA and 37 and two-third innings pitched 
Um, that's 11 games, five of them starts last season. So for a Padres team that was desperate for some starting pitching depth, they conceivably could have four guys that end up in their rotation at some point next season. Thorpe, the least likely of the four, just because he's still a prospect. But I think they probably try to put King in that rotation. There's a chance that Brito and Vasquez end up in the rotation and they get a backup catcher as well. in Kyle Higashioka. So that's a lot that the Padres got for a year of Juan Soto. Is it a net win for them? If you go back and look at what they traded to acquire Soto a couple of years ago, no, they still lost in the long run, but they're trying to win this year and they had to do a lot this offseason. So they get a ton of pitching depth. They also free up a lot of money between Soto and Grisham, particularly Soto, but Grisham had a you know sizable salary. I think it's like $5 million he's probably going to make in arbitration. And you know, I think there's been some that says Soto might make $33 million. So if you clear you know north of $35 million on your books, they can now use that money to go after other free agents. They're apparently in on Jung-Hoo Lee. They already have Sung Kim, another uh, you know, guy that came from the KBO on their roster. So you know maybe they can get Lee, and they can sort of remake their team on the fly and be competitive next season. It makes a lot of sense for the Padres. And for the Yankees, now they have Juan Soto and Aaron Judge, and they have a year uh, audition to try to convince Juan Soto to sign with them in free agency next season. This does not mean the Mets have no chance to get Juan Soto as a free agent next year, but it certainly makes it a lot less likely. It's just going to depend on how the season goes, right? If the New York Yankees miss the playoffs and it's a frustrating year and Carlos Rodon makes 11 starts and in those starts he pitches to a 7 ERA and they have that horrible money on the books and they never landed Yamamoto and Garrett Cole's going to opt out, and things are looking dire for the Yankees, and they you know, traded all their pitching depth. They ended up you know, needing it in the season. They didn't have enough depth, and it cost them. Then, yeah, Soto might be a free agent that doesn't want to return, but they're going to roll out the red carpet. He's going to get to hit in front of Aaron Judge, which, I mean, come on. I mean, the, he's going to see better pitches than he has in his entire career, and he's probably going to stay. And it's going to be Juan Soto and Aaron Judge for a decade, um, or the better part of it at least, which rivals any duo in baseball outside of you know, Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, or I guess based on this past season, Ronald Acuna Jr. and Matt Olson. So that all leads me to ask the question of the show today, which is when will the New York Mets acquire their next superstar? And we'll talk about Yamamoto in the next segment because that relates directly to the Juan Soto uh, trade here because the Yankees are still in the mix. But the thing about this that I have been you know, sort of harping on for some time now when it comes to just why I wanted the Mets to go out to Juan Soto is because there's not a clear superstar that's going to be available in free agency that the Mets can sign in the coming years. You look at the next free agent class. Soto would be the guy. Then you have Jose Altuve, who is going to end up back with the Astros. Alex Bregman, who obviously would be a nice ad, but I you know would say he falls short of a superstar. Um, Paul Goldschmidt, later stage of his career, and Pete Alonso, your own guy. And we'll talk about Pete in the final segment today. 2026, you have JT Realmuto, Will Smith. Realmuto will be a little bit older at that point. Will Smith, a nice catcher, but you know, for the Mets, they have Francisco Alvarez. You would hope that he's maybe a star for the Mets by then. There's Bo Bichette, Kyle Tucker, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So that's a free agent class that does have some you know promising players. Kyle Tucker really underrated 
He's not Juan Soto. You also have Munitaka Murakami from Japan. He had a 56 home run season in 2022. He has over 200 career home runs and he's 23 years old. Look, that would be a guy to circle, right? But that's, you know, 2026. 2027, Jazz Chisholm. I don't know if you call him a star. Randy Rosarena, Adelise Garcia. That's the best I saw from that class. And Garcia will almost be 34 at that point. Um, 2028 is another exciting free agent class, potentially. You have Luis Robert, whose team-friendly deal would finally be up, assuming that you know he keeps playing well, stays healthy, those club options get accepted. Adley Rutschman, Bobby Witt Jr., that would be their free agent year. So if you're looking at the next couple of years, there's not a clear-cut opportunity to add a superstar via free agency. So, yeah, Juan Soto is still the best hope, but the chances of that after the Yankees acquired him have just gotten really slim. So when you're looking at how the Mets are thinking about spending their money this offseason, you're looking at you know potentially the big money guys left. It's Yamamoto or bust, honestly, and then it's potentially extending Pete Alonso and making sure you keep your homegrown superstar or at least your homegrown star. That's where the Mets are at at this point. I want to explore those two players throughout the rest of the show because now that this trade has happened, I think the Mets should only be more aggressive in acquiring Yamamoto and retaining Alonzo. So we'll talk about all of that in just a minute here. Before we do, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Score this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's never been a better time to get in on the action. We got the college football playoffs coming up. You got the NFL season that's starting to wind down a bit. And you got the in-season tournament with the NBA. There's always some action to be found at FanDuel in the app. It's so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options between the spread, player props, over-unders. You can create a parlay combining, let's say, if you're watching an NBA game of players, Points scored, their rebounds, their assists, and the team winning that game. Combine that, you can increase your odds. If you'd like to start playing, visit fanduel.com slash locked on to kick off the NFL season. Remember, place that $5 winning money line bet. You'll get 150 bucks or in bonus bets guaranteed. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. If you don't want to miss out on any of the latest Mets news this offseason, become a Locked On Mets insider. This is our new texting service where you can get updates from me uh, about everything going on with the Mets this offseason. You can ask me questions. You can go back and forth one-on-one, direct conversations. It's been a lot of fun getting to know some of the everyday listeners, so I appreciate all of you who subscribe. You can find the link in the episode description or go to subtext.com slash Locked On Mets. Now, Yoshinobu Yamamoto. I think we'll be talking about him on every single show here until he signs his contract. And what I wanted to do is explore how much the Mets might overpay to get this guy to sign because the Yankees, they're getting greedy. That's exactly what Andy Martino said on SNY tonight in relation to their pursuit of Yamamoto. They got Soto. They're still in on Yoshinobu Yamamoto. They see the opportunity to sign a guy that's 25 years old. That could be an ace. They think he's that good, that he is worth signing. 
And I think part of it also is the fact that Garrett Cole could opt out of his contract after next season. And if he puts up another Cy Young worthy year, he will do that. So the Yankees could go all in this year with Juan Soto, with Yoshinobu Yamamoto, with Aaron Judge, with Garrett Cole, all these guys. And then even if they were to win it all and Garrett Cole opts out, they could then have a rotation with Yamamoto and Rodon and take a little bit of a step back. Or who knows? Maybe they're just going to be paying in the Steve Cohen luxury tax zone. Uh, they're sick of any doubts about their spending capabilities, and they're just back to being the big bad Yankees. This is the Mets' opportunity, though, to get that same pitcher, put him in their rotation instead. You got a 25-year-old ace. And it's abundantly clear, as I spoke about on yesterday's bonus episode, that the Mets are really interested in getting this guy. And Steve Cohen has a lot of things that he can be doing for him to hop on a bird and fly to Osaka, Japan and back in a short trip. I mean, obviously Steve Cohen, he's flying a lot nicer than you and me. David Stearns, uh, you know, spoke to that. Let's actually see how long the flight time is here. We'll just do flight time. I'm just curious. Okay. Just, just to, okay. So 17 hours over 17 hours. So, 34 hours of travel to meet this guy in person. Yeah, I think he cares about signing this dude. If he cares that much, and we know Steve Cohen is rarely going to get outbid. Why would he not put an extraordinarily aggressive offer in front of him, particularly knowing that the chances of being able to give Juan Soto half a billion dollars, that might have just evaporated. Okay, so if you were... Thinking about paying Juan Soto $40 million plus a season, you know, starting next year. Now that he's a Yankee, you feel a little bit less likely to be able to do that, which should give you even more in the coffers to go out and sign Yamamoto. Okay. So what's that look like? How much money would they put on the table for this guy? You know, John Boy Media, uh, they have Jolly Olive who was going around. He was at covering the winter meetings, and there was a video that went on X where he asked all the beat reporters for the Mets how much money this guy would make. And my boy, Mike Mayer of Metsmerize, I've talked about it before. They do great work over at Metsmerize. Mike has been you know, incredible to get all the sources that he has. He has a lot of really good reporting on the Mets. I'm not saying he knows the figure, but I found it very interesting that he predicted way more than anyone else that the New York Mets would give Yoshinobu Yamamoto an eight-year, $285 million contract. That speaks to the aggression the Mets might put in to get this guy. And I think the real thing the Mets can do that would separate themselves is to go to a ninth year and maybe even a tenth year to get Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Originally, people thought he was going to make $220 million. I think my first contract prediction was $219 million back in I don't know, that was late September when I, I first did the math on it. And it has only climbed and climbed and climbed. Then people were saying it's going to get 250. All of a sudden, people think he might push 300. And that's because he might get up to 10 years. So let's just start there. 10 years, $300 million. How much money is that really? Well, what you have to do is you have to look at the posting system. Because not only do you have to pay Yamamoto, you got to pay his parent club from Japan. You got to pay the team that posted him. Right, so major league contracts with a total guaranteed value of fifty million dollars or more, they have to get paid out a release fee that follows. 
20% of the first $25 million plus 17.5% of the next $25 million. So we'll start right there. For the first $50 million, you have to pay $5 million on that first $25, $4.4 million on the second $25. Then for everything over that, you have to pay a tax of 15% on the total guaranteed value exceeding that $50 million. So if you envision a $300 million contract for Yoshinobu Yamamoto, you got to pay that 9.4, then you tax it out 15% of the following $250 million. You add it all together. You're looking at a, at a, not a tax, excuse me, a posting fee of 46.9 million. So a $300 million contract actually costs you nearly $350 million. How many teams in major league baseball are going to pony up that much? Maybe a few. The Dodgers don't get Otani. Maybe they're in. If the Yankees are really serious, maybe they match that at $300 million the 10-year deal. They've given a pitcher over $300 million once. They gave Garrett Cole that. So when they're committed to getting a guy, they have proven that they'll go all in. So where could Steve Cohen push it? Does he go to 320? Does he give him a $20 million signing bonus on top of $30 million a season? If he's willing to go that far, if he's willing to pay $346.9 million. Why not bump that up a little bit more? Why not get to 320 with, and I got to redo the math here on the posting fee. So let's, let's recalculate. Okay. So it'd be $270 million times that 15%. That's 40 and a half million. You add the original five, you add the 4.4 Get you to f- pretty much spot on with, with about $50 million, $49.9 million. So $49.9 million, all the way up to you know $370 million basically to sign this guy. Are the Yankees really going to go there? I don't think they will. I don't think any other team would. But if you're the Mets and you're looking at the difference of maybe paying a couple million dollars more in luxury tax and you get your guy – and you're actually going to compete next year, why wouldn't they do that? Because you know what? They were just spending $43.3 million on aces in their 40s. $86 million this past season to get frontline starting pitching. And you already have one in Sanga on a steal of a contract where he's making $15 million per. So you have Sanga and Yamamoto for, what, $47 million next season as far as your luxury tax is concerned? Obviously, there's still some dead money from your previous aces. But I I feel like the Mets are going to get stupid aggressive to get this guy. Because now you look at the free agency windows coming up. And yes, look, they can sign a Corbin Burns. They can sign a Zach Wheeler. They can sign a Tyler Glass now. Um, what other free agents are in that class? Garrett Cole, potentially. I mean, they could sign any of those free agents in that next class. And there's a lot of pitching there. So if they miss out on them, it's not the end of the world. But all those guys we're talking about that they could sign next year, they're not 25. And that's the difference. You're getting a guy when he's 25. And you're getting all of his prime. So I'm fascinated to see when these meetings start this week. I think they begin on Monday when Yamamoto starts to meet with teams. By the end of the week, the sweepstakes might end and there's going to be a final figure. It's either going to be the Mets with a ridiculous offer 
or if there's just some team he was so happy that he would take a little bit of a discount on to play with, that is the Yankees, fine. And you know what? If he ends up with the Yankees on a $300 million contract, well, uh, and, and their season doesn't go well this year, which is still, I mean, you never know. It's baseball. Who knows? Maybe that you turn right back around and Soto becomes a possibility again. But I think Yamamoto's the Mets guy, and I'm going to be pretty fascinated to see if they can land him. Now, disaster scenario. They don't land him. They don't land anybody. They're looking at maybe signing Jordan Montgomery as the best they can do. Should the Mets just pivot entirely, make it a transition year, and extend Pete Alonso? I want to talk about that possibility next. First, though, another word from our sponsors. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for your 24-7 coverage of all the top stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right. Should the Mets just extend Pete Alonso if they don't end up signing Yoshinobu Yamamoto, even if they do? As I broke down in the first segment there, you look at the upcoming free agent class and, you know, Juan Soto, if he's a Yankee forever now, the other options would be Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, and Paul Goldschmidt as the best options in that class. Of that group, what free agent do you want more than Pete Alonso? Don't see any. Following year, JT Ramuto, Will Smith. You already have a catcher. Bo Bichette, Kyle Tucker, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I mean, sure, Vladdy would be nice, but Pete Alonso has been a better player and a far more consistent power source across careers that have you know run pretty much parallel courses for the most part here. So to me, and also homegrown guy that your fan base loves that's perfect in the city, all of it. No question there. Bo Bichette, yeah, he'd be good, okay? Um, but, I mean, the Mets, theoretically, by 2026 with Jet Williams – with Luis and Helicuna, with even a Colin Houck who they drafted last year. Like, who knows what their infield looks like? And they'll still have Lindor. I don't know if they'll want or need Bo Bichette. I mean, they won't need him at shortstop. You know that much. Kyle Tucker re- could be really good. If he's told me in a vacuum, which of these two players would I rather have on my team for the you know back half of the 2020s and the early parts of the 2030s? Honestly, taking my fandom aside... Kyle Tucker's a better baseball player overall than Pete Alonso. Um, but who knows if he's going to get to free agency. The Astros might give him an extension at some point. You don't know if that's you know a guaranteed thing where Pete Alonso wants to be a Met. You know, Murakami, obviously really exciting, but you can't count on that. And you go down the line. I mean, yeah, if you're waiting until 2028 to pay someone with Adley Rushman or Bobby Witt Jr., I, I just think Pete Alonso – for what he gives you, a 40 home run guy every year, and what he means to your franchise, you should get a deal done. And also, as much as you know, a guy like Juan Soto, Scott Boris, not gonna let him sign. I mean, look, Soto is still his own man, still has to tell his agent what he wants. If he's having an incredible time with the Yankees in the first half and they put a 500 million dollar offer in front of him and he says, 
you know, Scott, I want to sign this. You know, who knows? Who knows? But because of his age, because of, you know, having Otani the year before him in free agency, like they might be wanting to set a precedent. Scott Boris always wants to have the best contract in baseball, the biggest deal. And so, so does his ticket to do that. And he's, you know, been in his ear for a very long time since he was winning World Series as a teenager, uh, saying, hey, we're going to get you to free agency. You're going to get paid. Pete Alonso hired Scott Boris to get him paid top dollar, but has clearly told Scott Boris that he wants an extension. Because anytime Scott Boris has asked about Pete Alonso, he has said that they're open to an extension. He has, you know, communicated to the media that he has directly told David Stearns that they are listening. So you have a burden hand here. And I guess the question is, how much is that extension going to cost? How reasonable is Scott Boris's ask for Pete Alonso? And maybe that's why a deal doesn't get done, and it does go to free agency. And there certainly is an opportunity where I think the Mets would still be the favorite to land Pete Alonso once he got to free agency. But this is a dude that clearly wants to be a Met. I don't at all believe he's been the problem during his time here. Don't think so. And he's a guy I would build around. So while I do believe that they could play this thing out, and I've even said this on the show previously, Pete Alonso on a contract year is not the worst thing to have in your ball club. It's not. But I will say this caveat to it. If you strike out on Yamamoto, if you don't end up with Montgomery or Snell, and you know your free agency looks like uh, a rotation with Kodai Senga, um, you know, Jose Quintana, Luis Severino, and Lucas Giolito, and Martin Perez, and you just get a bunch of average to maybe even below average, and you are scrapping together a bullpen, and you're still, you know, selling to yourself, hey, we can still win, you know, we, we still got young talent and all that other stuff. In that scenario, throwing the fan base a bone of getting a Pete Alonso extension done, it would probably be a worthwhile PR move, but also a move that would be good for the franchise in the long term. I think Pete is going to continue to be durable. I think Pete's going to continue to hit home runs, and he's going to still be a great guy on and off the field. So if the Mets offseason ends up with Alonzo getting extended, um, it would still be nice. Ultimately, at this point, when when I actually did the, did this show a couple weeks ago, right? Maybe three weeks ago, where I did the dream offseason for the Mets, and it was then getting Yamasoto, and now it seems like the Yankees might be the team that ends up with Yamasoto. I think uh, Yama Alonzo extended. Uh, would be a nice offseason for the Mets at this point. If they're able to sign Yoshinobu Yamamoto, extend Pete Alonso, even if they don't do anything else, even if they continue to make you know small moves on the bullpen, you know, they don't get another starting pitcher that that really excites you outside of Yamamoto, but they can sell to their fan base. Hey, we got a core. We got Yamamoto and Senga in the rotation. We got Alonzo, Lindor, and Nimmo locked up. And we have a young core of, of prospects and young players who should fill out our lineup for the next couple of years. And we'll see you know, how they can progress and, and what we have there. I'll be excited to watch Mets baseball in 2024. So uh, winter meetings for the Mets, a little bit disappointing. 
but a lot of time left this offseason for them to do some big things. And I'm excited to see uh, what David Stearns can pull off here in his first offseason run the team. Anyway, that's going to be all for today's edition of Lock On Mets. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, review wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, follow me on X at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets. If you want to get every bit of Mets news this offseason, become a Lock, Locked On Mets insider. You can find the link in the episode description. And now that you're done with the show, if you're watching on YouTube, go find Locked On Sports today for your 24-7 coverage of everything going on in the world of sports with local experts from Locked On and our national shows covering every league. Follow Locked On Sports today on YouTube, um, and it's always there streaming for you.